Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Rain City Bunker. We're uh, doing kind of a special one. Um, normally, uh, we tend to go a little bit of time between our, uh, our various podcasts, but we just did one. And how long ago? Did About we two weeks ago. About two weeks ago. And we wanted to get another one in because it's uh, one of our favorite times of year, which is um, Halloween. And it fits in with the theme of Rain City Bunker, kind of the uh, weird and unusual and sometimes spooky. So uh, this one probably won't be as long as some of our other ones, but uh, we just want to talk about a couple fun things relating to uh, this holiday. And uh, wouldn't you say, Greg, that it's like um, it's been kind of atmospheric this year? It seems it seems like Halloween this year. Yeah, I was thinking just today. There's a little crispness in the air. The leaves are changing. There's just a feeling in the air, and the. The pumpkins are out, and I don't know, just like there's something in the atmosphere. It's changing. It's no longer summer, right? And it's deep into fall, and, and, and you know, and I, uh, you know, being from New England or having lived a good portion of my life in New England, it's uh, sometimes I'm kind of disappointed by this time of year out here in Seattle. But now, you know, it, it really, um, it, it's it's reminded me of New England uh, falls this year, and uh, so. Um, you know, uh, Greg and I, in putting together the show, uh, we looked up uh, some things about Halloween. And, yeah. And, you know, Greg, uh, I, I read a book. i uh, trying to remember the author's name. I can't remember what it is. But it was just strictly on Halloween. And it, it was really fascinating. But we, this information that we pulled up is on Wikipedia. And I'll maybe fill in um, if I can think of things. But, um, you know, Greg was reading through it. And I know he found a couple of interesting things about yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Well, Andy said he wants to talk about some uh, the horror movie genre a little bit, which fits well or with the theme. In general, yeah. yeah, and I, you know, I thought, wow, well, it's Halloween. Let's talk a little bit about the history. It's not a complete history, but just an overview because I think that's something people don't think about too often. Where did Halloween come from? And uh, like Andy said, we're just looking at Wikipedia and uh, just go through here and read a little bit. Uh, historian Nicholas Rogers, exploring the origins of Halloween, notes that while some folklorists have detected its origins in the Roman feast of Pomona, the goddess of fruits and seeds, or in the festival of the dead called Parentalia, it is more typically linked to the Celtic festival of Samhain. Samhain? Yep. Uh, and uh, the name of the festival is historically kept by the, the Gaels. And the Celts in the British Isles derived from the old Irish and means roughly summer's end. So some of the oldest roots of the holiday are just kind of a – it's almost like a harvest festival and yeah. a summer celebration. And, or And, you know, I've talked to you about this. Uh, one of the things – you know, I, I've kind of been joking that over the years um, – uh, Christmas for a lot of, you know, I have Jewish friends and so they don't celebrate Christmas, obviously. And, uh, but I've noticed a lot of, uh, my friends and acquaintances just kind of are like, Oh, I don't, uh, I, I don't care about Christmas. I, I just, uh, you know, rather forget about it or whatever. But I, I, I don't, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not religious, so mm-hmm. it, it's not a Christian thing for me, but I always like these kind of demarcations and, and it's, uh, like this, this is perfect. Like the end of the, you know, end of the summer, you know, things that kind of mark these times and and uh, and have a certain kind of uh, feeling about them, you know, a rhythm to the year, right? And uh, you know that that's how I feel kind of about Halloween and Christmas and 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 so forth. And uh, those are my two favorites times of year. So 
Yeah, and uh, as I'm, I'm a Christian, and I know some reading through this wiki article, some Christians have problems with Halloween, which I find kind of ridiculous. You gotta, I mean, I mean, I, I respect their view, but to me, it's just about having fun. Right. It's kind of a harvest festival. Kids get to dress up. I remember when I was a kid, that was always fun. My mom would help me find a costume. You'd walk around the neighborhood, do some trick or treating, and you know, it wasn't anti. God, it was just pro fun, right. seemed to me. Well, and and and, and they, they say there that the, the where we get the name from is from you know most people know this is All Hallows Eve, which when when you read a little bit about that, great. yeah, origin of the name. The word Halloween is first attested in the 16th century and represents a Scottish variant of the fuller All Hallows Even evening, that is the night before All Hallows Day. Though the phrase All Hallows is found in Old English. Uh, maybe you can read that old English there. Right? Uh, I no, know. I can't. <laughs> Mass of All Saints. And uh, November 1st is All Saints Day, which right. Christians, well, especially Catholics, use yeah. to recognize all Christians who have passed on. And they kind of layered – isn't, isn't it true that they kind of layered their holiday or that date on um, on the, the old Celtic uh, and the old pagan date of Samhain? If I yes. Understand it. Yes. Well, this, I think the next section uh, talks about that a little bit. Uh, the symbols, development of artifacts and symbols associated with Halloween, formed over time. For instance, this th- we found this interesting. For instance, the carving of jack o' lanterns springs from the souling custom of carving turnips into <laughs> lanterns. Can you imagine trying to carve a turnip <laughs> <laughs> in a way of remembering the souls held in purgatory, purgatory being a uh, kind of a holding place for the dead in Catholic theology. The turnip has traditionally been used uh, in Ireland and Scotland at Halloween, but immigrants to North America use the native pumpkin, which are both readily available and much larger, making them easier to carve than turnips. (laughs) (laughs) So the American tradition of carving pumpkins is recorded in 1837, was originally associated with harvest time in general, not becoming specifically associated with Halloween until mid to late 19th century. So that's 1850s on. So um, let's just let's just do the memory thing, Greg. So what what was one of your favorite costumes that you went as? as a, or one of your best, like, Halloween oh, memories? Oh, geez. Unfortunately, I don't remember as a kid. I think I had a – gosh, I don't even remember. My mom would buy the cheap – Oh, know, really? Did you, you never kind of worked on one that you put together no, yourself? No, usually my mom bought one. The one I do remember <laughs> – it was a little embarrassing. It was a high school party, and uh, Princess Di went. She well, it was around eighty. Oh, when they got married. Three, so it was just a few years after Prince Charles and Lady Di got married. And I didn't know what to do for Halloween. My mom suggested because of my hair length that I go as Lady Di. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing spooky about except what was spooky to me was all the guys were kind of paying me an uh, inordinate oop. amount of attention. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's not so it's, that's the main thing i remember of a it, costume it's funny to imagine that now because greg hasn't shaved apparently in a couple <laughs> days and yeah i can't imagine this like um i wouldn't pass his lady die now you know when when i was a kid i tended to go it, you know and here's what's funny too i love dressing up as when i was a kid and uh, and i love halloween now but i'm not really a big i don't generally dress up that much now um yeah me either <laughs> yeah and uh which is you know and i'm total you know uh more power to the people who do like to dress up and uh and that's something i've always found very interesting about halloween in the adult world 
is the have you ever noticed that the people who get the wildest are the ones that for the rest of the year they're yeah, like the mildest they can, they can people. be some of the mildest people oh yeah people let it all come out and, then, and that's where I, that's where i joke you know like how people say like um you know uh like saint patrick's day is for amateur drinkers i'm like yeah, Halloween's for like amateur weirdos. I'm I'm like a professional weirdo all year, and um, but there and there is something you know. Let's get back to the kind of the disturbing or the the scary part of Halloween. There is something about a mask, you know. Uh, yep. There's something about you know being hidden behind a mask and, and confronting somebody with a mask and having them hiding behind. There's it. There's something about that. Yeah. In fact, uh, I was talking to a friend about you know. Um, meaning a, f- a female he was going to introduce me to, and I have a goatee. I yeah. currently have a goatee. And he said something to me, and it, it makes sense. When you have a facial, as a man, obviously, as when you have facial hair, well, it's, some women. <laughs> it's it's almost as if you're, you have a little mask on. Yeah. And I never really thought of it that way, but it, it's kind of true. I mean, yeah. when you have a full beard, that's a bigger mask. Yeah. Goatee is a smaller mask, but a bit of a mask. And, and that's why I think also people find clowns in particular disturbing. <laughs> And because that's not even a mask necessarily. It could be uh, makeup. And that's, to me, that's kind of, you know, you have a makeup that's expressing something. That's why they're, why as a motif in, in horror, clowns work so well, I think, is because you have a layer that's expressing one thing, but then underneath that layer, they can be expressing something else. <laughs> So it confuses you. You, yeah. you can't read that person. Right. That's a big part of social interaction. Yeah. Being around people, knowing by their facial expressions and tone of voice and everything, right. but you know where they're coming from a lot of times. Yeah. But and yeah, could, that confuses it. Yeah. And probably makes it spooky. And that would be a whole different show. But we yeah. could get into the. We could get into <laughs> the. Uh, you know the, the. I think the the archetypal clown. You know, doesn't always necessarily mean something of like mirth and and. Humor, it can, you know, a clown can also be uh, a figure that that points out something disturbing. Yeah. So, yeah. And continuing on a little bit about what Halloween is, I never thought of this until I read this article. But when you when kids go around trick or treating, they're really begging. Yeah. I never (laughs) thought of that. I was like, yeah, they're asking for free stuff, (laughs) but it's socially acceptable (laughs) and you can do it the one day of the year. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and and you know that when this article compared it to uh wassailing uh which was traditionally done it that's carried over into modern times as people going caroling but <clears throat> for example um that god rescue uh how is it god rescue mary Jer- gentlemen where you, you bring us some figgy pudding oh no, um, i think that's we wish you merry christmas wait, you're right we wish you merry yeah. christmas there's a demand well wassailing used to be basically what um in the victorian era um the the poorer people oh, would awesome. go to the more wealthy neighborhoods and uh christmas what we think of as christmas carols um uh like we wish you a merry christmas was there was actually an uh an implicit demand in it and if you think about the lyric um so bring us some figgy pudding and do it right now <laughs> um you know that that was you know be, and people knew that if you didn't appease the crowd that was at your door if you didn't bring them food and stuff like that that they would probably smash your windows or something and we don't like to get political but it almost has a little overtone with the uh, <laughs> occupying crowd <laughs> anyway they want something maybe too who knows anyway and I, I i didn't uh also realize there's something called geising which is similar to a sailing is that how you say it yeah, wassailing Wa- wassailing yeah and that's at halloween 
the kids in uh, Scotland and Ireland go around and they do little tricks or they sing a song or something. So you have, to, do, you have to perform some sort of trick or, or talent or whatever to get your treat. Yeah. So before you get your trick, well, your treat, you do something, something for them. Right. Whereas in America, the trick or treat, it's posed as a question, Andy pointed out to me. Yeah. So it's trick or treat. Yeah. So your choice. Your choice. We can, <laughs> yeah, we can either do something. And, you know, in the book that I read, they don't really cover it in this article, but uh, years, you know, years ago in the early 20th century and stuff, like sometimes the kids could really get out of hand um, on Halloween night. <laughs> where, <laughs> there would be it, a where? lot of vandalism and so forth. Where? So, in, here in the United States. Oh, yeah. yeah. Detroit. Yeah. Uh, do you, well, Detroit has a, a long standing. I don't know if it still goes on, but it's called Devil's Night, which is uh, the night prior to Halloween. And they go out and they burn cars and yeah. do yeah, some naughty stuff. Yeah, there can be stuff. a lot of destruction that yeah. happens. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, one other thing that I always get in conversations about uh, before Halloween is the whole idea of um, – which is largely urban myth. According to this article, now I've heard that there's never been a documented case, but according to this article, there is. But it's largely um, an urban myth, the, the the poisonings and the razor blades yep. and the, and the, the, and the candy and apples. And they don't do that anymore. I, I don't – even as a child, I don't remember we caramel apples. Get, did you get those? We did, but they would be in a – the stores would sell them in a sealed um, – a sealed plastic mm, ball, okay, kind so, of. And I'm, yeah. so I'm talking in the 70s, and there was kind of a hysteria. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I was thinking about it, um, or I've, I've, this has occurred to me over the last several years, that it, if you kind of break it down logically, it really doesn't make any sense. Because when kids go out trick-or-treating, you, it's not like you hop in a bus without your parents and go to some uh, part of town that you don't know, you tend to go right to your your own neighborhood within a few blocks. Within usually. a few blocks, and and so um, so it'd be the easiest crime in the world for cops to solve. And uh, and they and they pointed out, and I know this is uh, this was also in the book that I read that um, like I think all of the cases of poisoned candy have come from the parents who have poisoned their own yeah kids. they so, mentioned that in the wiki article which is kind of sad and yeah, surpri- yeah. somewhat surprising to me yeah. but uh this this kind of tells you uh, i don't think this is going too far off topic but the same number of those kind of crimes are occurring it's just we've become more aware of them right and people are a little more don't aware of it, and they don't want to expose their children right. or themselves to those kind of things. I, you know, I remember my parents being – I was telling Greg earlier, too, that, uh, you know, we would get uh, – my parents were reasonable people, and um, uh, they they would – we got, like, cookies. Unless they knew it was, there were still some older neighbors that would give you, like, cookies or – uh, like an apple or something like that. And as long as they knew who it was, if they could, you know, pinpoint. They remembered them from the neighborhood. Or knew them from the neighborhood. They would be like, okay, that, you know, you can keep that. Um, but I do remember my parents, like, you know, you'd get the um, the bags of candy. And inevitably, like one of the little, you know, bite-sized candy bars or whatever, the wrapper would be not fully sealed. Or, or a little something. tear or, or a little te- yeah. torn. And my parents would be like, yeah, you better throw that yeah. out. And I think what it is is uh, uh, I think – uh, I can't remember if my friend Joe actually asked his parents, and um, but I think the response is, is they kind of knew that it was silly um, and probably not true. But it was that, do you want to use your kid as a test case? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so uh, I wonder, uh, you know, um, people kind of think of the 50s as like a little bit of a, in certain ways, you know, a lot of ways, no. But 
certain ways kind of like an innocent era. Yeah, Halcyon, I wonder. I wonder yeah. if people went trick or treating and they got a caramel apple unwrapped that it was no problem. You know, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I you know, know what? I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk. My mom was a, was a kid in, in that era, oh, okay. and as were your parents. We should yeah. we should ask yeah. them. Um, but uh, so that's a little bit about the history and our own little experiences with Halloween, uh, and uh, we're going to move on and talk about. Yeah, well, you you wanted to do, didn't you want to kind of mention a story that was in the oh, news? Oh, yes, I forgot. I, we we probably don't. I don't think we have the link, but you can just kind of. Yeah, well, talk. I can put the link on. We'll put the link on. Um, and yeah, I put the story up on a lot of talk. Um, it, it's kind of a fun thing. It's kind of the, the theme of Rain City Bunker. Some of the strange, unusual stories. So I came across this uh, article, and I think it was one of those English papers. They get some of the weird stuff. Yeah, and it was a video of uh, some. Tourists were in Brazil, and I think deep in the Amazon, or you know, not totally remote, but in a village in the Amazon. And in the background, you see this kind of odd light in the in the forest. And to the left of the light, it looks like a little alien creature, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not moving. So that's right. kind of odd, yeah. you know. If it's an alien creature, Does you figure. Move? I thought it did move. It moves a little, right? So I, I've seen it too. It's it's another one of those things where it's just like yeah, you, you you decide. Uh, I you know it's not enough for me to um, you know give up all my belongings and wait for our alien you know, <laughs> our alien overlords to come down. And, and if it was just the light, you might kind of say, "Oh, that's a weird reflection." Right. Or if it was just the alien looking thing, you might say, "Oh, that's my friend our friend Jason." We mentioned on the podcast. He said it thinks it's a bee's nest just hanging there. And yeah. it does look like something just kind of hanging there, just barely moving. Oh, interesting. So, but the combination of the light and the little alien looking figure, you know, the uh, stereotypical alien looking figure, kind of makes you say, hmm. And in the video, the kid turns and looks, but doesn't seem to notice anything. Right. But the kid turns around and notices it. Yeah. So we'll put that link up. It's fun. It's kind of sp- possibly spooky. a little spooky. A little bit of the, of the season. <laughs> And uh, you, and you you mentioned um, and this will segue into kind of what I wanted to talk about uh, um, uh, uh, the uh, you know the idea of alien invasion and you know the war of the worlds um, and uh, how freaked out people were during Orson Welles' yeah. broadcast. And and, you probably know Andy. Was it nineteen thirty eight, thirty seven? I want to say right it was around that era, thirty eight. Okay, so, so, so world world tensions were high. Yes. And there's a theory that I subscribe to about um, the horror genre, and that could be you know anything from books and, and movies and, and so forth, um, or radio plays like mm-hmm. War of the Worlds. That uh, what what makes the most effective horror is when it speaks to the tensions that people are carrying around with them at that time. Yes, and. The War of the Worlds is a is a perfect example of that because you know the idea of uh, being invaded right in the heartland by a hostile force. Well, I guess it wasn't the heartland; it was supposed to be New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey, which is where the Germans would land, <laughs> right? So <laughs> somewhere on the eastern. So seaboard. people were you could you could say in part maybe part of the hysteria was that people were kind of on that hair trigger that they that the zeitgeist uh, uh, you know um, was this worry about. Uh, an invasion and being involved in a war that you yeah. didn't want to, but the know. war hadn't actually started. Well, do you? I don't know much about that little pre-war history, yeah. but, but not, uh, Germany, not for the United States, right. it hadn't. Yet. But but Germany invaded Poland, I think thirty-nine. Right. So was there tensions in Europe? At I, that? Yeah, there okay, were. and they yeah. were they saw the Germans building their military machine. Yeah, and, I, th- I think so. That, were. that probably did reflect some yeah. real, real. Uh, oh yeah, 
and I think it's easy to see. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to talk about uh, Poltergeist, but you know the Godzilla movies. Yeah, that is obviously fear of this unleashed power of the right. atom. And think of think of where that those movies sprang from. They sprang from post-war Japan. And uh, uh, you had witnessed the only country ever to witness or to experience those terrible weapons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I really do. Uh, there there's an excellent book um, that I I read and I want to reread about the horror genre called The Monster Show. Um, and the uh, author's name escapes me once again, and I don't have it here, unfortunately. Um, but uh, this 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 happens throughout at least modern history uh you, you can really chart the anxieties by um by what type of what type of horror those people are enjoying for lack of a yeah. better lack <laughs> of a better word um so that leads me to talk about one of my one of my favorite films and and uh i think one of the easiest to break down in the way it 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 represents uh the tensions of the time is uh poltergeist the 1982 movie um that was directed uh, ostensibly by Toby Hooper, but really most people believe, and, and it's been kind of talked about and written about uh, that people who were involved said that Steven Spielberg really uh, directed the movie. Um, or did they both direct, or um, he, is that possible? It's possible. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, but I, I think I think the stronger hand probably was uh, Steven Spielberg's, and he was – he was the producer and one of the screenwriters, and um, he had been – I believe uh, Poltergeist was shot before E.T., but he did those two movies back-to-back, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting because there's a juxtaposition there because E.T. is like the ultimate like kind of fairy tale. Yeah. Um, now, you know, one of the reasons I like it is it's such an 80s, it's such an 80s movie. Uh, you know uh, – the Suburbia. Suburbia. Um, and uh, you know the type of uh, the type of things that people were in early eighties, nineteen eighty two. Now, what I think is there, there. I think there's aspects of this that maybe people don't think about that, but they're really, really very much on the surface that are about tensions and worries that um, that baby boomers had at that time. So if you think about it, it would have been the 60s generation, the the couple that was – Yeah, and they're in their mid-30s, the late 30s. Yeah, I'd say they're probably in their mid-30s. The, the, the couple that uh, that played the parents was Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams. And um, I read in the uh, uh, you know uh, the trivia on IMDb, I read that they, they deliberately cast um, unknowns uh, at that time, unknowns, because uh, they wanted people to be able to relate to the um, – mm-hmm. Like the, they're regular people. Yeah, like they're regular people, which I thought that pulled off really well. Yeah. And now what's interesting is even before the, the supernatural stuff starts to happen to the family, the, the tensions in the movie are, are evident. And um, you, you're introduced to the parents. Well, you're right at the beginning. You're introduced to one of the one of what I would imagine. I don't have any children, but what I imagine is one of the harder things to talk to kids about is their pet bird dies. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And they have a funeral for the pet bird. Yeah, for the youngest child. Right. For the youngest child. <laughs> and right within the first, I mean, I would. it's definitely in the first third of the movie, and it's probably only a few minutes in, you, you hear about, you know, that. starts off with that. Um, you hear about 
the worry the mother has about the, the pool that they're building. She's afraid that the kids are going to fall into right. the pool, and that plays later in the movie. Yeah. Um, she um, and then there's a, a, what I find to be a really interesting scene between the parents where they're <laughs> they're actually sneaking a smoke. Uh, they're s- sneaking a joint. And now I read those the, boomers. <laughs> well, now it's not in the movie, but I, I, I remember that I read the the uh, the novelization of the the movie like back in the 80s, probably not too many years after it came out. And in the book, they had found that joint in their teenage daughter's closet. Uh. And they're, you know, they were trying to decide what to do about it. And they're just like, well, you know, we used to smoke. Let's smoke up. <laughs> and um, and if you want just an idea of how 80s this movie is, uh, uh, the uh, Craig T. Nelson character, Steve, Stephen, uh, Stephen Freeling, um, is reading a book about Reagan. He's reading a biography of Reagan. <laughs> and, you know, they, they pass the joint back and forth. And I believe they talk about the teenage daughter because she's out and they're kind of, you know, yeah. there's kind of cons- concerns about that. Um, I've noticed the teenage daughter is kind of an absent yeah, she's, character in well, the movie. Well, when you're a teenager, you don't hang yeah. around home too much, uh, typically. Uh, but they... There's a there's this great scene where so just in this little scene of them passing the joint, kind of trying to relive some of their their fast receding youth, you know they do that and then um, as a joke, uh, the Stephen character jumps up in front of the mirror and he starts doing he puffs out his stomach and he does before and then he sucks it in and goes after before after <laughs> yeah before, after. which um you know it, it, fear of guts it, well it, it's, and aging it, i mean it's a real direct <laughs> you know uh indication of, of of him you know he's making a joke out about it but he's like i'm getting older you know i'm getting a paunch and everything and uh then you know um then the stuff starts to happen and once again, as as I'm talking about the you know the the parents who are, you know that generation was a lot of them were young parents at this time. I mean, what could be more terrifying than one of your children just going missing? And um, what a lot I don't know how many people know this, but the inspiration for the Poltergeist story was actually a Twilight Zone episode um, called "Little Girl Lost." About and it's very similar. A little girl disappears basically into the wall of her family house and uh and they you know the parents begin to hear her voice coming out of the, the wall wow it's, i it's, did not know that yeah if you get a chance you should see it there's some some very similar characteristics yeah. of it so th- that's kind of a so that is, is a, a timeless fear i think of parents just the the general idea of their child disappearing disappearing and know. then Something extra freaky when they're in the wall. Yeah, and now what? You know what do <laughs> like they a do? Nightmare when, when they do the the frantic search for her. They go, you know, you know, they go running. And what's the the mom's one of her first things is the pool, and they dive yeah. into the pool for the first time in right, the movie. Right, right. And um, you know, go searching searching for, her and then they hear the voice, obviously. And so I'm just going to assume most people know the story of Poltergeist. So now, um. As things heat up, as they begin to realize they're they're in over their head, uh, what a, a, an aspect that I find uh, I find rather telling the father character, the Stephen character, he continues to go to work. Um, they they're hiding it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's an embarrassment. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it too, 
where you have an embarrassing family secret that you don't know how to deal with. And he's going to work, and he's, he's you know extremely distracted and everything because he's also got it. There's the, there's that part of his life where he's he's got to be a performer at his job, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, you know, and and also he's he's the one that takes the longest to believe what's, what's going, going on. on. Yeah, his his wife really has to demonstrate it. Yeah. to him. Um, now, uh. They, he, I, and I believe he's also the most reluctant to seek outside help too. Uh, kind of like men don't want to ask for directions, right? Right. <laughs> we can handle this. Now, now, one, <laughs> one of my favorite. Uh, I might skip around in the timeline of the movie a little bit, but one of my favorite parts of the movie uh, is when they're they're mounting the rescue. They've they've contacted the the parapsychologist and she's brought in the the little um, woman who's the medium and and they're mounting the rescue and everything. And there's this this great part where she's like, okay, I need the parents now, and they can hear Carol Ann and you know her voice uh, coming through. And she's like, she you know she's giving them direction. She doesn't want her to go to the light. And, and right. if you remember that, and she goes, all right, which which parent are the children most afraid of? <laughs> and they, and then the, the parents do this silly, like bickering, like, well, I, you know, we both, tr- we both discipline the children and everything. And she's, and, uh, and she's like, come on, which one I need to know now. And, and they're like, all right, I guess Steven. And then, um, he starts calling for her and she's like, be stern with him. And she says, tell her if she doesn't come, she's going to get a spanking. And they go, <laughs> we never spank our children. Um, and uh, y- you know, uh, I you know, so they have to confront this. There's this this interesting kind of like their own normality, their own standards, their own standards, uh, and and you know, their own you know, it basically the trauma. And I'm not saying which which you know what what methodology for raising a child is right. I'm just saying in the in this movie, the trauma of it forces them to cut through all the bull. Yeah, they they got to get down to what what's the nitty gonna, gritty, what's going to work, and um, then there's also a part that a lot of people forget about, where um, where they go into the other dimension to retrieve their daughter. Yeah, with the rope, right? With the rope, they tie the rope on and they jump on in. The mom does. Yeah, and the, they they have Stephen because he's the he's the big strong man. Uh, you know, pull. He's he's in charge of pulling on the rope. Now, I don't know if you remember this, <clears throat> but he makes a promise to his wife that he will not let go of that rope. And it happens so fast that I think a lot of people miss it. But there's the scene where he he hears them and he starts pulling the rope back out of the closet, and uh, the face of the monster of the beast comes out and and comes right up to to him in his his face and what does he do do you remember let's go he lets go of the rope yeah and you know once again isn't that isn't that like a man a man's greatest father's fear a a husband's fear following falling short in the most dire moment yeah Yeah. and uh so uh, so there's more there's a lot of fears anxieties and so you've analyzed this a little bit Andy. oh yeah yeah. i'm just i i'm winging it here totally (laughs) so you've thought of this and you've analyzed it and you you've seen all these Little pieces, yeah, which all make sense, yeah. And and now let's 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 look at it as kind of, and this is kind of a funny way to look at it. But um, 
as for for a, a, a kind of upwardly mobile family, a young family in the booming '80s. In the booming '80s, what what could be one of a bigger what could be a bigger nightmare than finding out your perfect suburban house is actually this hell house? <laughs> and I mean, it literally by the end of the movie gets sucked into a hole. <laughs> well, into before dimension. that, though, you got to remember. There's bodies everywhere. Right, right. It was on a cemetery, and there's just bodies and coffins, and that's yeah. that was a nightmare. No, that's no, a nightmare. <laughs> no, let me let me tell you about this. This this will guy maybe get slightly political, but this is something I thought about as well. So Stephen is kind of he's he's kind of invested in this real estate company. He's a part of the company. Yep. He's that, a big part. He's on the way up, right? He's, he's on the way vice up. president or something he's, like that. He's part of the. Uh, He's part of the company. The development company. Development it's a construction company. company. They built their house. His company built their house, right? Right. And he's got to sell houses to other people. Um, and this company did, you know, you know, let's look at it from like a like a 60s, 60s aspect. You know, they're the ultimate like evil, the man. You know, what did they do to save money? They moved the the headstones from some valuable property, but they didn't move the bodies. Because they were supposed to move the, the, the whole cemetery. Right. They just moved the headstones. Stones, right, which is discovered later on. Um, so, Which is actually kind of the cause of it all. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So so that's that's a kind of another, uh, you know, think about that for, for baby boomers, for maybe baby boomers who, who were uh, hippies or something. Um, you know, and they're sacrificing the their... Well, they became part of this establishment. And they, they went from being protesters in the 60s to going to college or whatever, getting a degree, getting a career. Right. And by 15 years later, they're well in their career, a lot of responsibility. All right. And they're cutting corners. They're cutting corners. Yeah. Those boomers. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I think it's a movie that's really, really rich with a lot of, you know, subtext uh, and, and, and is so of its time. Yeah. And, but you know what my favorite part was? What's that? The Golden Retriever. <laughs> you remember the Golden Retriever is all over the movie? I, I do. And I have a Golden Retriever, Midas. So. But remember what he does? There's, there's a, there's, the dog has a choice. Oh. Remember they send, they send the, um, the boy and the, the teenage daughter away to go to the grandparents' house? Right. And there's a scene where the dog has a choice whether to stay in the house or, or go or, with or the get, kids. Go with the kids. Goes with the kids. He goes right? with the kids. <laughs> and it's a great shot because it, it's a total it's a total character shot too because the dog stops, looks towards the house, and then you know looks towards the car with the kids, and boom, he's in the car. <laughs> I love that. Oh man! And, and when they you know uh, you know and then there's that you know the great you know a very common tactic in in horror or, or uh, uh, thing that they do in horror movies where you think. You think everything's okay, but you as the audience, you know it's not because you're like, wait, there's there's still about like there's 15, half an hour or, or half an hour, yeah. fifteen minutes left in the movie. Um, you know they they're all um, you know they're all uh, uh, relaxed and and back and and then it happens again. And there's there's a disturbing part. Um, that's something I want to. I, I was kind of curious if you remembered, uh, Greg and. Um, um, you know, my girlfriend and I were talking about this. The entity, whatever it is, uh, attacks. Well, you find out in later movies, I guess, but um, it attacks the the mother character, the uh, the uh, Diane character, Diane Freeling. Um, and she's in. She's just. She's just taking a bath. Oh, and she's yeah. in. She's just in her underwear. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and she's like, up on. Yeah, 
But there's a scene where flung against the wall. Before that, there's a scene where she's kind of gets basically. I'm just gonna say what it looks like. It looks like she's being raped by the the thing. She gets bounced on the bed. Yeah, a couple times, uh, and then her her shirt, her nightshirt, gets lifted up, and she has to pull it back down. Uh, So you know, definitely uh, overtones of yeah, if not. Well, probably not directly, but yeah, but it, definite it, it, overtones of violation. Yeah, like that. Um, and there was there was another movie in the seventies called The Entity, or eighties, maybe the early eighties, called The Entity, which was purported to be about a real uh, case of um, uh, a haunting or or a violent entity. And in uh, in that movie, in that story, the the woman was actually uh, uh, was molested by whatever the yeah you know you know if if it's true she was yeah. um. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Is there in, any any memories that you kind of have that, or any aspects of it that you can think of of, of the movie of the movie? Yeah, uh, I think for me the, the the most for some reason seemed maybe it, it resonated with me. Maybe it was a dream I had had or some feeling. But well, we've all had those dreams where you're kind of stuck in molasses and oh, you can't move. Yes, yes. So the scene when they're in is it the uh, Craig T. Nelson character in the pool? Yeah, and the coffins start shooting up, and the bodies start coming out. Right, that is so horrifying to me because he's stuck there. Yeah, and he's got to witness. No, it's the wife. Is well, it the I, wife? Yeah, and then he okay. jumps. He jumps in to okay. pull her out. Yeah, okay. But that, to me, that just, I, you know, it's a fun movie. It's not to me not that super scary. Maybe as no, an older not, person, no, it's not that but scary. that scene is very scary to yeah. me because they're stuck there and there's bodies and coffins. You don't want to be there, but yeah. you, there's no way out. Yeah. And they keep she falls back in a couple different times. She's trying to climb up the mud, and you know what I thought you were going to talk about because you talked about the dream aspect of it. Is there's a great shot where um, it's right after that the the entity has has pinned her up against the wall, um, where she drops back down to the floor, and she hears the children screaming, and she goes running down the hallway, and it has a real dream quality to like it the long hallway it becomes extended yeah. and she's not moving like yeah. she's running and then she finally like uh, like i remember having dreams like this where she finally her feet finally begin begin to get traction and she makes it to the yeah. uh you know makes it to the door um so uh you know so it's, it's got a lot of effective uh there, like as well. i think early on there's a scene with the uh the boy in his room and it's storming out in the yeah. tree. Oh yeah. I, think, I remember stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, when you're a kid and it's yeah. storming and you see these bare trees. Yeah. There's something in maybe from Wizard of Oz. Yeah. When the, the trees grab the you, characters. You know So there's something about that storm and a tree right. and I think in the movie the tree moved or it, it did, grabbed yeah. him yeah. or something like that. It so. tried to eat him. Yeah. Well yeah. Um so but that that seems to be kind of a almost kind of a primal, almost oh, universal yeah. thing. Because yeah, Wizard of Oz—that's the—that's scary when they're yeah. going through that forest. Well, in fact, I think there's something there, menacing about those. There might almost be a um, a tip of the hat to Wizard of Oz because uh, that scene after they they pull because it's a diversion by the the spirits or whatever mm-hmm. to get the girl because they they're all pulling the boy out right. of the tree and everything, and, and then after they get him clear, the the tree gets pulled up into the um, tornado funnel. Yeah, I don't know if you, yeah. you remember yeah. that. Um, the uh, he reminded me when I was a kid, I had a room that had windows along, uh, you know, maybe about head height, at, uh, along two walls, and um, I remember as a kid when it, 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 sometimes at night, like 
I do that thing where I'm just like, don't look at the window. Don't look at the window. <laughs> don't look at the window. Because I was afraid what would happen is I'd look at the window and then there would be a face in the window. And, oh, my God, if there were ever, like, one of my older sister's friends or something ever wanted to, they would have scared the I, – I could see myself dying of fright if that had ever happened. Well, well, similar to that, when I was a child, my bedroom was right – there's kind of a narrow side yard. And in those days, the garbage men came through your yard and get the would get the garbage. Oh, okay, yeah. And they'd come at 6 in the morning oh. when I was still sleeping. So my dreams would incorporate these – like the garbage truck was a creature after me, <laughs> and you hear the clanking of the cans. Right. That's kind of creepy to a kid. Yeah, oh, yeah. So for years when I was a kid, I had these recurring dreams of this, you know, yeah. this creature yeah. so close to my room, you know. But yeah. that, it, when you're a kid, you know, so many things are kind of spooky and yeah. unknown. But, um, you know, just that was just one example of, of you know, that idea that, you know, horror – uh, uh, represents tensions that that people have, and um, I know a lot of people have talked about. For example, in the fifties, you had a lot of these alien invasion mm-hmm. in, invasion of the body snatchers, yeah. and and there was a lot of fear at that time about the Cold War, the Cold War, and the, the Soviet menace and everything. And um, and but one of my favorite uh, uh, explanations of horror movies is, is the ones that came out, <laughs> ones that came out in. Um, the late sixties throughout the seventies where they really represented um, a birth fear, like a fear of children and a fear of giving birth. <laughs> and uh, this is when a lot of the baby, uh, baby boomers have a lot of issues going on, I think, <laughs> but a lot of the baby boomers were, were having children. And, you know, you think about it. I mean, there's a whole list. There's Rosemary's baby. Um, there's the evil child in um, the omen. Uh, there's uh, the birth fears and movies like it's alive uh or uh, even you, you can even look at alien the chest burster yeah thing is that's kind of, kind of a, per- a childbirth yeah it's kind analogy of analogy or perverted birth you know metaphor um, and uh that one that one always cracked me up i was like hmm, that, that's kind of interesting and uh <laughs> um you know uh, uh I'm, try- I'm trying to think of another good example uh was, was carrie she was a teenager though. carrie was a teenager but you know that's about the right time yeah uh, or oh the famous one uh exorcist Oh, that was a child. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking. Oh, oh yeah, The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she's a like, little girl right. and she's the devil. Yeah, <laughs> the devil just took her over. So they. <laughs> so that that's kind of a projecting a negative negativity of being a parent or having children, yeah. sort of. And you know, like, I, and I know, uh, Greg, where did where where in Eastern Europe did you take your trip? I always forget. Croatia. Croatia. Um, and, and that was in 07. That'll like, that'll be, this is one of my my best stories and I'm just going to guess per, put it out there permanently just one of the funnier things that somebody said. Coworker of uh, of ours at uh at, at uh, where Greg used to work and where I work is from the Ukraine. And Greg had left to go on his trip to Croatia and um uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> I went out uh you know the the guy stands outside and he has a cigarette and a cup of coffee and I went out there to talk to him and he's like um he goes, so uh, Greg is, um, he's, he went on his trip and he went, uh, did he go, where did he go? And I, you know, mentioned, he went to, oh, he went to Croatia. And, and then he takes a puff of his cigarette and he goes, um, let me ask you, has Greg ever seen the movie Hostel? <laughs> <laughs> Which I hadn't and haven't. <laughs> and, um, and if, uh, and I might not have gone on that trip had I seen that yeah. movie, right? And it was basically about these frat guys. I mean, it just all boil it down to it's nitty gritty. These frat guys who go on kind of a, a, a 
a debauched like trip throughout Europe and they're in Amsterdam and they get they get suckered into going to somewhere I can't remember now. Some lovely sirens uh attract them, right? Yeah, to uh to an eastern, you know, former war torn Bulgaria eastern, or Hungary. Yeah, I think I have seen a bit of this. Yeah. Hungary or Bulgaria, one of those. And of course what they don't know is they're being set up to be victims of a an elite super secretive club where you can pay lots of money to torture someone to death. But, um, you know, those movies, and there's been a series of them, like, um, you know, the hostile movies were very popular. And then you have like saw and they're these kind of like torture horror, I would almost say. And they're, they're extremely, they try to be as gruesome as, and as realistically portray the, the, you know, the guts and gore as realistically as possible. And, no, I started thinking about what what are the tensions that that stuff little xenophobia little xenophobia and they remember they're all they're all post uh September 11th mm-hmm. and I think there is this kind the of randomness the, sort of kind of the randomness in this just by being just an an American I guess saw doesn't really play into that that but by just well in saw the the characters commit relatively minor offenses in their lives and in the the the, I haven't seen those. So. I, I've seen both hostile so and mine, minor offenses. They get horribly punished. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's yeah. I, my sister kind of pointed that out. I said I mentioned I like Sanj, and then you know we were talking about it, and she she was like, yeah, but the killer like, what a, what a jerk. Why does he get to judge everybody? And you know, and, <laughs> um, so well, killers usually are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. uh so so what what movie so what movie have you had a movie that you just kind of my favorite horror movies or favorite um I kind of like the stuff I don't mind the ones that kind of make it you jump you know with with you know boo like the Sudden, what I call yeah. the jack yeah those are fun but you know you, a lot of times you can walk out of those and go eh, you know yeah. but the ones that are, I think really good are the ones where you, you get out and you still have kind of a creepy feeling yeah from- well you're taking the lead on this episode Andy because I, I I'm not a big consumer of have, the horror genre right. but i remember any, do you have anyone that did well no one but i remember when i was a kid spending the night at a buddy's house first second grade yeah. and we'd stay up to one in the morning which oh, was yeah. crazy or midnight and we would watch the old classics yeah. frankenstein dracula mummy right. and those were a lot of fun yeah yeah i remember that too i like i like those old the universal was the, the yeah um, I don't like the gore, some the realistic gore. Yeah. Like uh, I think it's the second or third Silence of the Lambs, oh, yeah. where the head has been sawed open, yeah. and Hannibal's frying the brain. That was just too much for me. He's, fry- it's such a he's vi- cooking, and the guy's sitting there as he's cooking his brain. It was Ray just, Lee, I think Ray Liotta. Was it was so disturbing. You know, and I was an adult. This wasn't that long ago, but it was just so dark for me that it was. Isn't just, it such uh, a violation? Not- that scene, that scene in particular, like. You know, you can see somebody get, get killed in the in the movies, yeah, the movies obviously, and uh, but that scene was such a such a like a horror filled violation of yeah. that of that victim because he's he's disintegrating as yeah. they oh. as they pick his brain apart. Yeah. He's kind of and especially what as it stands as my intellect is. I like my intellect. To see it slowly get fried and consumed, yeah. I mean, that's just the ultimate. Yeah, that's your that's the, your essence, you know. That's your yeah. your 
your physical brain is where you reside. And didn't and he it, feed it to the to the character? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I I I yeah. kind of even blocked it. It's yeah. it, that's still much for me. Yeah, so. <laughs> I like the cartoony. <laughs> that's why I like the old classics. That was a little more cartoony. Yeah, or it's a little less graphic. It was. I mean, it was still spooky, but yeah. it wasn't. You know. Yeah. It wasn't quite that uh, explicit. Yeah. But to each his own. It's Halloween, so. Here we are talking about it. Yeah, and you know, I, I think uh, you know horror. This, this is a, by no means an original idea with me, but uh, horror allows people to kind of safely rehearse the things that they're afraid of in their mortality. Um, and uh, oh yeah, I, I remember uh, uh, when I was a, when I was a kid, it, I had this weird relationship to scary things because I enjoyed it sometimes, but then I was also could be easily scared. Like, one of my favorite things to do is go over to a friend's house, you know, ride my bike over. And, um, you know, particularly when I lived in uh, in Connecticut, which has a very, uh, you know, uh, headless horseman sort of quality. To it and <laughs> sort of, um, uh, you know, I'd go over to friends' houses and we'd tell ghost stories and, you know, freak each other out. And then w- what I always thought was, like, the dumbest thing for You'd me ri- to do. Let me guess. It'd be like one in the morning or something, and, and you I would had, ride your bike. Home. I would have to ride my bike home. <laughs> and I always. Did How that old thing. are you? This, this would be like you know, uh, I'm talking from like age 11 to you know. Okay, so you're still you know pretty young. Yeah, young teenage, late. Yeah, almost and, teen, tween to yeah. early teens. And if I put my mind to it, I can still freak myself out. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, uh, but you know, I do that. I do that thing, and it's funny because there's an Arthur Conan Doyle story, you know, a non Sherlock Holmes story that's like a horror story called The Mummy, which is kind of uses this uh, uses this idea for its tension. You know, I'd ride my bike, and and I remember I would think like and I could almost couldn't stop myself from thinking this like, what if I turned around and like right behind me <laughs> was something, you oh, know, yeah. like closing in on that's me. That's a right? classic uh, self fear. Yeah. Or, I had a similar thing. I had a paper route yeah. in Seattle's Carkeek Park, and I on the weekends, uh, Seattle Times had to go up four thirty, five, six in the morning, and in the winter, it, or it's dark, and I'd be down there. It'd be windy sometimes, and a, once or twice I saw a coyote or a raccoon, and it was a hill. Yeah. Carkeek's oh. down this hill. I I rode my bike as fast as I could for about a mile, three quarters of a mile up a hill, oh. <laughs> because. When you're 12 or 13 and you get those notions in your head, man. Oh yeah, you, you can. It's almost like you make it real, and yeah. you just. I was in no danger. Yeah, but when you see coyote and it's windy and it's creepy and it's spooky, yeah. you want to get out. And I've, I've <laughs> and I even in my adult life, I've I've worked. You know, I've worked graveyard shift for a number of years, and 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 you know, when I was in college, I worked in a, a, a old 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 building built in the early 1800s, and. Uh, yeah, you have to kind of watch your imagination because you, you know when you're working there, it's like you can't you can't run home or whatever. You, you're kind of stuck there for a while, but it's easy to freak yourself out. But anyways, so we wanted to do uh, a fun Halloween episode. I think this was yeah, good. it was fun, and um, hope you guys found a little entertainment value from our musings yes. and stories and and analysts analysis <laughs> of. Uh, Poltergeist. <laughs> and he put some thought into this, everyone. <laughs> so that's the way my brain works. So um, we're going to wrap it up and wish everybody a happy Halloween and have fun. Have fun. See ya.